That's what I do. I drink and I know things. In this longer than usual episode, I interview Major Chris Foltz, a fellow cyberspace operations officer stationed with me at Joint Forces Headquarters Doden at Fort Meade, Maryland. We cover our origin story, the challenges of balancing the core duties of being an officer versus your assigned specialty, and the ingredients to being an effective staff officer, as well as how all of us will need to come to grasp on what we truly feel passionate about and how to find opportunities within the Air Force that can drive self-fulfillment and positive contributions to the mission at the same time. Let's go. This is Constant Elevation, the show for rising Air Force and community leaders who seek to define the future. Learn powerful work and life tactics to tackle any challenge. I'm your host, Gabriel Gabrock Avila. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody. Gabe Rock back on the mic once again. Hope everybody's doing safe and being safe and, and doing well here in August. Uh, we had some crazy storms here rolling through Maryland here. It was like probably the worst rolling thunder episode that I've seen. It lasts about like 10 minutes. Very, very scary. Uh, my dog, uh, Sally, was sitting in the, in the bathtub for a long time. And so she's okay. But uh, we're doing all well, well in August. You know the why we're doing well? This episode is actually very, very exciting for me because... I have a sponsor. Oh, finally got a podcast sponsor here. And it is none other than, boom, I got a t-shirt. If you're watching the video, you can see it. Volkswagen Brewing. Volkswagen Brewing. So um, if you, uh, uh, I recently came across this company um, within, since I moved to Maryland. And uh, they've been, been in the game for about 10 years. They home brewing company, um, really, really on top of their game. I'm, I'm tasting one of their tasty beverages. I am right now, I've already consumed two, don't worry about that. But this is the Irish Red, it's called Seeing Red Again. And um, this is hella good, hella, hella good. And so um, if you're in a local uh, Maryland area, you can learn more about them at uh, untapped.com slash Volkswagen Brewing. I'll put the link in the description as well as the episode notes. Um, but yeah, if you're, if you're a beer fan, and I'm sure that, uh, they, that sh- I've seen the menu and I've seen the bar, you're gonna see it pretty soon in this video. But this is legit kind of thing. And if you're a big fan of, uh, of beer, you want to learn about stuff, I'm very sure they can help you out in those kind of things too. I'm not, I'm a novice in beer. I just like what I like. And so very, very appreciative for them to sponsor this episode. Um, and as well as you kind of have to contact them soon if you're here in the local Maryland area, because they're going to be moving very soon up north. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. So again, uh, thank you to our sponsor for this week, Volkswagen Brewing. Cheers. So good. So you can learn more about them by going to the website, or you can just listen to this episode because I happen to have one of the co-owners. He is my guest this week. So this week is one of my, um, not only is he one of the co-owners of Volkswagen uh, Brewing, he's also one of my teammates here at Joan Voice Headquarters, Doden. Uh, welcome to the show, Major Chris Foltz. Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks a lot for the invite, sir. Yeah, man, this is good. This is a, he's definitely, this is outside his comfort zone. A lot of times I, uh, maybe this is kind of bullying. If you, if you report me to EO, I guess that's a thing you could do, but like, I'll talk to people and be like, Hey, we should just, we, we have these creative, uh, these interesting conversations. We're like, dude, we should just do this on the podcast. And it's like, Oh, I don't, don't really comfortable. Kind of my outside my comfort zone. I'm like, yes, you should do it then Chris. So luckily, um, We've been talking about a couple things offline. I was very interested in his beer, obviously. And uh, um, uh, I, I am, has anyone else from work had any of your beer yet? Uh, definitely. Yeah, a number of people have. Outside of 3-6? Uh, a dozen or so people. We would have had any of the bosses? No, we would have had a lot more. We had a going away planned, but uh, that was an eight. Oh, for so uh, that got, Patrick? got shut down. Thanks yeah, to yeah, COVID. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Nah, but this is this is a um, you know, every time when we do our we have our monthly hail and farewells, when you look at your background, your background is way cooler. Even though the last hail and farewell I was in the bathtub, your bath your background is still much better <laughs> as having a bar set up. And we are all uh, very impressed and looking forward to when we could possibly come hit you up and visit it. But again, we're having uh, although we are teammates now, so you're a fellow cyberspace operations officer like me. And uh, how how long have you been at Doden? Longer than me, right? Four years. Okay. Woo. Okay. We're going to talk about that. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you got uh, recently, you got one of the golden tickets because uh, like I said, Volkswagen Brewing is heading north and that includes you and your family because you guys got picked up for an assignment at Alaska Command at uh, Joint Best Elmendorf Richardson, Alaska. Yeah, we're, uh, we're warming up to it, pun intended. My wife was much more excited <laughs> than I was initially, but uh, every single person, including yourself, every single person I've ever been stationed with 
has said that's their favorite assignment. So we're, uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. Yes, yes. We've been having offline conversation as far as how to prepare them just because you guys are moving in the wintertime. Like you're going to get yeah. there. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, we're uh, moving during the winter or moving to Alaska during the winter during a pandemic. So uh, I was not <laughs> super excited at first, but uh, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely on board now. It's, it's just one of those kind of adventure things, right? It's going to be a thing of, so hopefully, um, you know, when we, we moved to Alaska from Hawaii, so obviously there's no driving, we just flew there, but like, you're going to miss out on the opportunity. I mean, unless you driving during the winter time is kind of rough anyway. So depending on where your next chapters are, or even you happen to want to just come back down to the States for leave, whatever it is, if you can, if the world goes back to normal, you can drive through Canada. That was one of the most beautiful trips we ever had. And like, it's definitely um a family memory for us and uh but yeah as soon as you got the assignment i was like dude you lucky dog and uh, um trying to trying to give you some advice as far as how to prepare for it i really think you you and your family are gonna enjoy the lifestyle even with the covid stuff luckily everybody a, a lot of people in alaska are just pretty cool you have a lot of space and you're gonna find your you know your circle there um as you head over to the um the asic staff and so it's good stuff. I'm very, very happy that uh, you uh, this during this round, almost all the officers um, going outbound on winter VML got something within their wheelhouse. So very happy for you and yours that you get to go north. So it's going to be good stuff for you, brother. Looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be hella cold, but as soon as you get there, but like, don't worry about that. You survive one year, it's going to be fine. Okay. So some of the stuff you and I have been talking about, um, so we're both at interesting parts and, uh, you know, so Joint Force uh, Headquarters Doden is a joint assignment. And so what happens is we get to see, you know, all the different services and us, us airmen, we kind of conduct ourselves differently anyway. But you also get to see like, you know, the majority, there's a lot of old people for, to be honest, right? It's a staff. So staff usually has field grade officers, senior NCOs. And so you have, when you get there, all of us have different paths. So like what's, so what's kind of like the quick you know, 34 second summary of what kind of uh, comm officer path have you had? Well, first off, sir, I, I got to mention, I appreciate the buildup and the introduction. This started as a joke, I don't know, a month or two ago. And, uh, as, you know, as homebrewers, we, uh, we can't, can't legally sell anything, can't do anything crazy like that. But the, the dream, I'm, you know, I'm definitely uh, belong to the stereotype of the 8,000 um, brew pubs or breweries out there nowadays. I, you know, the dream is someday to do something. But uh, you know, my, my better half, my wife is much smarter than I am. And so my better half is uh, taking us to the next level over the past year. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get there someday. But uh, um, previous, I'll say uh, real quick, I know you have a lot of, uh, or you seem to have a lot of Alaskan listeners, uh, coming from there, uh, previously. So definitely looking forward to getting up there. Uh, previously we lived on, on base at Keesler Air Force Base and it was a party every weekend and sometimes during the nights as well, just always having, and not really a party obviously, but just always having somebody to hang out with and have a beer with and, uh, definitely miss that here in Maryland. So, so definitely looking forward to that, uh, if we can end up on base up in Alaska, but, uh. Uh, I am the, uh, so my 30, again, as I mentioned, sir, previously I was a 338th uh, training squadron. So I got to say my 38 second intro was, uh, I'm, I'm the stereotypical comm officer. I'm a dinosaur nowadays, uh, even though I'm not that old, but uh, I was a raised, you know, I was raised, uh, grew up kind of like you did, if you will, in the Air Force where we're, we're trained to do a little bit of everything, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And so uh, it's been very interesting talking to the the pure cyber officers nowadays, even the captains that I'm not that much older than, but it's, it's a whole generational gap that is very weird. So uh, that being said, uh, a longer answer to this question is uh, started off in base comm, which was great. Um, had, had a number of um, prior guys who were, became mentors and I still keep in touch with today. And then after that, I've been on a, on a staff weenie track, but um, I'm okay with that. I know that's, that's my lane. That's my destiny, if you will. And so, uh, I, I'm the stereotype. I, w I would be honored and would love to do command someday if selected. But uh, again, we'll see what the future holds. And uh, I've I've literally known since I was a lieutenant. <laughs> I've literally been a staff weenie. Um, I guess the one other thing I'll say again, I know it's a long answer to your question, is uh, is I've spent over 40% of my career so far in the joint environment. And so my next assignment will be uh, Alaskan Command's a subcomponent of NORTHCOM. So I will continue my joint tour. I, I know you know that, sir, but uh, I'll continue my joint uh, joint time. So it's crazy to me. I, I did the math the other day and realized that when my assignment ends there, I'll have the majority of my career in the joint environment. So uh, wow, happy to That's talk crazy. about ran the random topics we've been kicking around for tonight. <laughs> that is crazy. It's just like a different, so like, especially for all the airmen on staff, um, you know, so you and I are just, we're the, uh, the network operator shred, right? Out of a 17 Delta. So the, the, the Hufflepuffs, we're not that cool. 
because which is not that cool. Um, you get the DCO, OCO guys around, and they're high speed, and the Air Force needs them, and that's cool. That is not how you and I grew up. And it is what it is, right? And it's, um, but I think this is one of the, the first topics that we'll talk about that is important. Because inevitably, what you'll find is like there is, when we're sitting on staff right now, so you have, not only do we have the field grade officers and we have senior civilians as well, um, you know, bit, they've been in the game for a long time, coming across the street from DISA or Cybercom, whatever it is. And so they've been in the game for a long time. They understand cyberspace operations, just like you and I do. In addition, though, we also have some super, a lot of super smart contractors as well, very subject matter experts that kind of, they just kind of focus on something and that's going to be their, their, their wheelhouse and that's what the, the contributions of the game. So what happens is, is because I call, I, call, I call our work, it's like the nerdery of nerderies. I mean, Cybercom is probably the biggest nerdery, but we're pretty damn close. And so you get this whole thing as far as like people get so focused on the cyber stuff, yet the expectations for someone like you and someone like me is we're still officers and officers are supposed to be leading in a certain manner, especially when you get to field grade officers, there's this general officership that's supposed to be expected of you. And that's the kind of thing that I think in, in some instances, a lot of people lose um, or it's not necessarily do they lose it. It's what's going to get you recognized as far as continuing to advance in your career, either for rank opportunities. I know you're coming up on uh, your Lieutenant Colonel board pretty soon. And then like the, um, the promote or key leadership opportunities you're going to be a do going to be a compete for command or whatever it is so what where how does that where's that balance that the air force is looking where they want you to perform really good in your specialty really good in officership how does the balance hit so a uh, question i want to ask you and i know you already have your opinion on it but like where do you, where do you feel the air force weighs puts the mo do they have the proper values set for officership and specialty so I will not start off that audacious and try to answer that question, but I will, <laughs> I will share some observations that I've picked up over the years. Sure. And so perhaps my wife uh, knows all too well, I, dis I do disclaimers for everything. So I promise this will be my only preface and you can hold me to that. Call me out if I try to preface other stuff. But uh, you know, I feel I've been listening to a lot of your podcasts over the last uh, two months or so. And uh, the, the interviews you've done, usually people have, um, a specific point they want to talk about. I, mean, I really enjoyed Major Chris Carr's episode about Iron Majors. That was that was really really good. Really good episode, uh, yeah. Or, or they had some sort of experience uh, that they could share, uh, or some specific experience from recent history they could share. And so I fully acknowledge I'm coming on, uh, coming on with not really uh, a point to prove, if you will, uh, or a, a recent experience to share. But mm -hmm. uh, I've been thinking about it. We, we've been talking for the last week or so, and. And sometimes it is just uh, great to have a conversation. And I, I realize that is, um, that is literally what I do of, uh, and that's my biggest enjoyment of having this, this bar and home brewing and yeah. you know, just being able to pull people together. Dude, your bar, your bar is essentially like a podcasting. I, I swear to God, if you just had your bar and then you'd be like, and someone just pulls up and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, you mind if I hit click? I'm just saying you could figure out, I'm giving you, I want like 1% royalty when you make it big. <laughs> the the Volkswagen Volkswagen Brewing podcast. You're just gonna have some real ass conversations, um, because that's how people learn. People people learn about each other. We want to hear the different kind of perspectives. And so you talking about that, it it had to make me think. I'm like, I don't know, like where, um, you know, so maybe it's different when you're a support officer because it's a little bit different, right? We are we are given different sets of expectations versus our other operators as far as being. You could say a pilot or a, a nav or whatever thing. You could also apply to even like security forces or something like that. There are certain degrees where your specialty, we expect you to do that as a lieutenant because that's your, your job is to learn your job. But then certain Air Force, certain Air Force jobs, they just want you to do that. The pilot one is a pretty easy one, right? And, and we've met, uh, we, we already know officers who've had, it's been, they'll, they'll hit like a 10 or 12 year mark and then you finally raid on someone. I'm like, how the hell, where did that happen? How did you, how did that actually happen to you as an officer? And yet- they are because of they're really good at their job. They're they um, assuming they're really good at their job. They are seen in a positive light, and the Air Force values them. And then, how do we, as as uh, non pilots or supporters, how do we um, or operators? We're operators now. How do we actually be able to compete at that, even just within our own lane? Like, what is our community value as far as do we want to promote the officers that are hella good on keyboard but have no fucking personal skills at all, or which which ways which way should we go? And, and, and to add on to that, uh, a helpful framework that I 
completely stole from a, a former boss who was a very well-known uh, Marine infantry colonel that uh, he, he explained to us how at some point in, in an officer's career, you're going to be ex expected to be one, well, throughout your career, you're going to be expected to be three things, uh, a planner, number one, number two, a middle manager, or number three, some sort of heroic leader. And kind of what you just said, uh, you know, coming up on the 100% MSG or mission support group side with that MSG mindset, um, I'm, I'm probably not going to be a heroic leader. That's probably not in my future. Um, <laughs> what? What do you but, mean? <laughs> uh, obviously, middle, middle manager and planner is, is definitely what we do, or I'll yes, just say what, yes. I, what I do and uh, what most of us do. And um, the other, uh, just, it's not really a, a central statement. It's just in, in general, numerous times when coming up when I was a lieutenant and even into, uh, to my captain time, uh, we d I definitely heard uh, colonels and above uh, try to footstomp how we're officers before we're specialists and how in the Air Force, you don't hear people going around saying, well, I'm an Air Force officer. You hear people going around saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a pilot, I'm a navigator, I'm a, right, right. at the time, I'm a communications officer. Um, and again, I don't have the right answer. I don't know what the balance should be, but I love talking about it because uh, our, your and my uh, specialty badge is a mandatory wear item on our uniform. And my first deployment uh, was still when we were communications officers and it wasn't required. And I, I literally just switched over to the ABU uniform before the deployment. And so I didn't, I was deploying to uh, a logistics center. And so I didn't put on, I didn't sew on a combo badge. I was doing a little social experimentation, if you will. And it wasn't, it literally it wasn't until the end of the, uh, oh, so, and of course they stuck the combo as a general's aide. So, Hey, it was, it was a good experience, but it wasn't until the end. Or so, or so I was number one, kind of separated a little bit from the masses just being the aide, but number two separated just cause they're all logisticians and just that that is their focus. And that, that is, um, that's what they do obviously. And so it wasn't until the end that it, I guess I wasn't trying to hide it, but it just became known of like, wait a second, you're a commo. And it was like, Hey, you know, come <laughs> fix my computer. And, uh, it was really, I admit it was a really fun social experiment, but, uh, again, I'm not, so I'm not advocating that we need to, uh, I'm not necessarily advocating that we shouldn't have it as a mandatory wear item, but to me, it's, uh, I, I don't know. And this, this is why I, I don't uh, even know. I don't know the, the logic behind why our badge is mandatory. Well, I like. Yeah. Does it get us a free? Does it get us free free access to something? Can we cut in front of the line, or like I get? It doesn't. Apart from the other within, like MSG, for instance, are there any other ones that are mandatory? I think the cops, obviously, oh, they, they got to wear their security come on, forces. Sir, you know, you know the answer. You know, you know whose <laughs> whose uh, badges are mandatory, and how when they how we first switched over to these cyber wings, as people try to call it. That uh, we're up, we're ten series, bro. Literally, literally, uh, people ask us, "Oh, are you a pilot?" And uh, you know, come yeah, on, yeah, I fly a desk. Come on now, <laughs> I fly the internet. I fly the internet highway is what I do. Now it's it's definitely the there's different weird positioning within within the air force as far as trying to how do i say make make any specialty feel bigger than the other one cuz here, so here's what i was thinking about so the difference between um, making sure that remaining to your point of we're officers first we're going to be officers always airmen always you know like marine is a marine i know there's different phrases like marines or riflemen every army or every person in the army is a soldier whatever it is airmen are airmen so if i follow that and i just say we're all officers even in my position as a cyberspace operations officer, I know that my job is not just in this silo by itself. Like if you remember, and a lot of times there's a lot of people we have to remind, especially in our community, you have to remind yourself, you're like, hey, do you remember like, do you see like the actual other name tape on you? Not your last name, your other one. Like it says Air Force, you're in the Air Force. So the bigger thing, as far as your officership side, that's you understanding you are a bigger part of a bigger picture, a bigger machine, a bigger thing that you're responsible for. Therefore, the officership is the responsibility of you having to know, hey, when someone's talking about something that's related to your specialty, you owe it as a professional, professional person to be like, hey, so uh, I think you got that wrong or make sure my guys, you know, for the planning thing that you're talking about earlier, planning especially military warfare planning doesn't magically happen. You have to have the right people at the table that either understand, you know, the phases of planning or phases of warfare, as well as have a, a certain familiarity with your, with your uh, specialty. Right. And so the cyber cyberspace domain is a very, very complicated one um, that it can be very, very, uh, it can consume everything 
in, in your in your scope. This is my first assignment to where I am not attached to an airframe and it feels really weird. Like our job right now is just cyber for, I don't want to say cyber for cyber sake, but like, I mean, I joined the Air Force for a reason. I want to, I want to contribute to the air mission, but for now in, in our joint, joint uh, capacity, we're responsible for the cyber domain. And so it really requires everybody who's, I don't necessarily want the technical people joining staff here. I want leaders like you. I want planners who have experience on how to do integrated things in joint. You know, we were, <laughs> you mentioned that you're going to potentially get to that point where more than the majority of your, your time has been on the joint time. That's actually like a, a good value that's still needed within the entire DOD. Because if you don't have those things, you just kind of come one-sided, well, this is how we do in the Air Force and that's it. Like, that's not gonna help when you get eventually to a joint environment. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I guess I'm, I'll call myself out. I guess I have to do one more disclaimer because I, I told you about this before that my, you mentioned my, coming up on my O5 board. So my O5 board has met, but it's, uh, we don't know when the results are gonna come out. So I admit, <laughs> I, like I told you, if we had waited a couple months, <laughs> I would have been a lot more, uh, a lot more open, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I'll be, be a little guarded at the moment, but, uh, I know, uh, I'm, uh, my, if any of my former coworkers listen to this, I know I'm notorious sometimes for giving long answers, but I guess, you know, to circle back, uh, to kind of touch on your points and circle back to your original question of what's the right balance. Um, again, I'm not going to try to be that arrogant to, to presume I know, but I, I definitely enjoyed another or a conversation I had during a, a training course with a, a retired colonel who had been a uh, in charge of a combatant command uh, J5, and it was very interesting to talk to him uh, again. Talking since you mentioned planning, we'll, I'll go down that rabbit hole for a second. And that uh, probably for 30 minutes, maybe even an hour, the field grade officers we all we all picked his brain on just how do you know what's the magic solution to becoming a planner? You know how what's the you know A plus B equals C plug and play formula. And, and he just had to, he very calmly repeatedly told us that all the time people would come, come into his cell not having planning experience. But again, it's that expectation of you're a jack of all trades, master of none. And at least in this job, and you need to put your head down and you just need to absorb and learn and ask and try to improve yourself. And, uh, you know, I definitely, uh, have heard it. I'm sure we've all heard it from previous bosses of just that mindset of always be, be thinking and reading and learning. And, um, I guess to, to also address your question of, of, I fully acknowledge, um, that, uh, being in this, in this, in this very technical career field and not being the technical, uh, mind, it's always, it's always leads to interesting situations. Uh, but again, where you and I were raised, uh, we've definitely, you and I have definitely talked about this and others at work have definitely talked about, you know, we were raised to be that middle manager and we were supposed to uh, find the SMEs or well, identify the problem, find the SMEs and, and figure out how we can fix it and uh, the subject matter experts. And now uh, stuff has changed where we can be picked up and dropped into a, a billet where it's just like, no, you need to know everything and anything and everything about the ones and zeros behind this system. And it can be, uh, it can be a very it's intimidating. It's, it's a very different feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I first joined the team and I was on chops and like, yeah, we need to get into these systems and, and like, uh, check all these reports. And I was like, I, mm, do you know where I came from? And, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be flippant. I didn't want to be like, did any of you guys read my, my resume? Like I was a former squadron commander. I just graduated. So like, I don't do these. I lead people. That that was when you're when you're in certain officer positions. Your position in any officer position, you're leading people. That's what you should be doing. That's the officer side of uh, of um of your of serving in the Air Force. And then this one would kind of flip to me a little bit. They're they're expecting a lot of the specialty side, and so which it wasn't okay. So I, I gathered that, but like I'm smart enough to know I found the the smart. I found like the Sergeant Osawas, and I found the smart people around me to be like, here, help me. I need you to give me these, uh, help me do these technical stuff. So just like when you're a planner, planner has to be the one that has really good observational kind of powers to where you can kind of see like, okay, that person knows what they're talking about. Ooh, I got to talk to that loggy. This person is on the general staff. So I got to, I got to make sure I, I get in with him or her. And you, uh, you have a good method of observing the environment and then making it work. Right. Because you're not going to get, uh, you're not magically going to have the best people all the time in staff. They're going to come from different, just like, uh, you know, and I, we came from different angles and now we just thought we're, we're plucked in on staff. 
So, but the good planners, ergo, the good, in my opinion, the good leaders know how to make those ingredients work. I'm sure now I'm getting way beyond what the fuck I'm talking about. If someone just gave you random ingredients, I'm sure you could make beer. I'm assuming you had the core ingredients, but like you can't just make, if someone said, make sure you make this kind of beer, be like, well, I don't have those ingredients to make that beer, sir. I can make a beer, but I can't do what you just said because you don't know what you're, I don't know, you don't know what you're talking about, sir. But like, it's one of those kind of things of you have to make, make do with what you have. And I really think that's what the great officers do. And I think us growing up in the, in the, the commo world, we just got that experience. Like I, I value the fact that I, I, I like the fact that I miss having an airframe. I miss hearing a fucking jet hearing uh, just flying off off a, off a flight line or whatever it is the the air base or the air the flying wing kind of things you have to deal with i like those those kind of battle rhythm stuff i miss those kind of things when we're stuck not, well when you're stuck in your funk in our function it's not it's not the sexiest stuff yeah I, it is kind of hard to be like hell yeah fucking motivated to go into the skiff again and not see the sun for a little bit like you, that's not that's not what you see in the uh, in the Air Force recruiting commercials, but it is reality. And so, like, we need leaders like you and me to make sure we're carrying it forward and, and leading the people, right? Because that's the I believe that's the kind of skill sets that should be valued more, especially as you get to field grade officer kind of stuff. You definitely don't want me as an O five on keyboard. I don't know, I'm not. You don't want me to have the admin credentials. I'm going to ruin it or I'm going to do something stupid on there. And so, but I know the smart captains, I know the smart pixies, I know the smart majors around me that can help like do those kind of things. They, they grew up in those communities. So our skill set is leading people. And I think, I do believe that the Air Force sees that, but whether or not that's properly weighted within the overall, um, kind of like on, on Chris Carr's episode, right? She has a huge experience level of doing um, FAO kind of stuff and uh, exchange officer things. How does that work? You're working in an international environment. That is a huge skill set. But then how does the Air Force properly weigh that? Do they? Some would argue they do. Some argue they don't. Well, and I know this isn't a direct response to your last comment, but to a, an earlier comment you had, it, it, it reminded me a lot of, uh, again, so I mentioned earlier, I keep in touch with uh, several of the prior guys who... Uh, uh, mentored me, if you will, as, uh, as I was coming up. And, uh, so when I was a Lieutenant, there were a lot of lieutenants and captains who were prior maintainers and or in, in the comm world, they were, they were prior maintainers and, uh, almost to a T, uh, like every once in a while you could catch them at the end of the day. And they're like, man, when I was on the flight line, it sucked. But at the end of the day, if you did your job, the plane took off and you got to see the fruits of your labor. And now we're just like you said. We're now we're just stuck here with our head down, and it's a different day, the same stuff over and over. And uh, and so again, I, I don't. I'm not going to try to pretend like I should know, like I know how stuff should be weighted. But uh, I just know that that's that's my lane. Um, that's that's what I what I know how to do. And uh, uh, another one of your comments reminded me of uh, I, I've always regretted not writing the general's name down. Uh, he was a Air Force One star at CENTCOM in 2015. So if anyone's listening, I would love to uh, remember what his name is. <laughs> but okay. he spent um, a year doing uh, education with industry and he was, um, it doesn't matter, but he was with Microsoft and apparently he spent a lot of his time, um, he was, initially it was just office conversations about management versus leadership. And it ended up like he, he spent a few months, like it just kept evolving and he ended up getting this, this brief that he would go over that Microsoft actually sent him to go around and give this presentation. And it, and I shouldn't say presentation cause it was one slide and it would continuously build. And it was very, very interesting showing the comparison, the similarities and the differences of management. Yeah, yeah. yeah the uh, divergences and the intersections of management and leadership. And so, um, again, I think to, to steal again, steal my, my former colonel's points of if you, uh, that heroic leader, middle manager, and planner. Uh, I do think those. Uh, even though I'm not going to be, uh, I I hope I'm not the one leading the charge up the up the hill someday. Um, you're still, like you said, you're still a leader, of people, and a manager at the same time, doing different functions, but but still uh, wearing both hats, if you will. And then uh, planning. Like I definitely think um, there's there's uh, a lot of value in that. It, just in I just know in our career field, it's at times it's all about the focus of can you do the ones and zeros so for those of us standing in the back volunteering or voluntarily raising our hands saying like you said that's not me that's not my bailiwick but uh i, I do have some other strengths um 
but uh, but again, I've I've known uh, not to get too deep this soon into the conversation. But I ironically, I don't think I mentioned to you that uh, what was it like six, 16 or so years ago now, I had a, a comm officer be the one tell to tell me that my specialty was going to be communications, and he saw it all over my face of just the, <laughs> the confusion and the shock. <laughs> he's like, no, don't worry. There's so many different paths you can do. He's like, you know, I promise something to the effect of, I promise, you know, you'll enjoy it. You'll be able to, you know, to figure out what suits you. And uh, again, I don't remember, of course, don't remember exactly what he said, but the sentiment has definitely uh, continued and, and I appreciate it. I know, I know they're trying to narrow our, our focus in our, in our current career field, right. but uh, there's still, there's still little paths that we can find. There is. So the, here's, here's a, a thing that I, and I don't think I've told you this, and it's a recent kind of like um, talk to a small, small number of people, including my wife about this. So um, recently right now, I'm kind of in a certain position like you where I am eagerly waiting results. So I'm eagerly waiting results of my SDE board, whether or not I'm going to go to school. And so like if I go to school, that means I'm leaving in the summer 21 and then we'll figure out what that means. So going to school has never, ever been a fucking goal of mine. Like I understand that the, if you get picked up for school, the positive things that come with that, but that's never been a goal. Like my goal is to be a colonel because I want to be in a certain level of responsibility. It's just when I was a, when I was a Lieutenant, I can pull out like my, my, uh, um, feedback form here. My goal is to make Colonel in 20 years. I was never trying to be, because it's like, I grew up like you, I think my, my first, when I was a Lieutenant, my MSG was a Colonel or was a cyber officer or comm officer. I'm like, shit, that's pretty awesome, man. You get to be the group commander, whatever it is. So that's always been my goal. And it is still an active goal of mine to be a group commander, but it's changed. It's evolved over time. So the idea is part of the evolutions is that, um, and maybe, maybe this job here at Doden has, has confirmed it. Um, I am past cyber expertise. Like I know how to do it as a general officer, not a lowercase general officer and a, and a leader, but like, I know that I'm not the smart enough on the ones and zeros and that's okay because I bring like you and I, we bring that skill set to the table because that's needed in the air force. We don't need ones and zeros leading the air force. We need people. We need leaders leading in the air force. And so I'm trying to figure out like, what is actually my path after this? If I don't get picked up for school, like what do I want to do? Do I want to be, do I want to try and get prominent in, in our community? Do I want to be a cyber group commander? I don't, I don't think so. I actually think like I'd rather be an MSG because if I went to one and, and that's a, in my opinion, the harder one, I think being an MSG is very, very hard because you have to, you're like the mayor, you have all those different specialties and you have to manage them. Luckily you have a lot of smart squadron commanders out there, but like I want to be in that position because I want to help people. I want to grow. I'm, I'm actually in the point where I want to figure out ways I can pay it forward and just grow the next generation. And that is not doing my cyber job. So I'm not, uh, I'm trying to find my alternate path. I, I think I told you this before. Maybe my alternate path is in education. Maybe I'm going to be an instructor somewhere. Maybe I can help out, excuse me, at Air University or doing something like that. I want to do, my bag is mentoring. I want to grow the next generation. And that's a kind of value of like, I want to take a divergent path. I don't know how those things are going to work out for me or what the air, needs of the Air Force are, but I just know it's going to be a disservice if, for instance, if they're trying to find, they're trying to put you on a technical path. I'm like, dudes, that's not, that's probably not a good look. You probably want to find, I know there's other people that are technically smarter than me and I'll get out of the way. They could be younger than me or junior than me, get them into the right position. That's the right people. But as far as the needs of the Air Force to grow the force, to develop leaders, to do uh, planning elements that actually understand how to do those things at that high level. Realize there are different parts, there's different positions on this team that need to be filled. And let's make sure we value those as well. And they're not cast off as a side as a second or third order effect. It's deliberate development to make sure we find the right passionate people that love leading and um, stay engaged in their jobs. That's the kind of people I want to be surrounded by versus someone who's just trying to use it as a stepping stone to something next whatever it is yeah totally totally agree and it, to me in my mind this is a related point i i hope it uh all the dots are connected for for all your listeners but uh all your comments take me back to to the same same marine colonel i got to work for before he right before he retired so he shared a lot of his insights and wisdom and and i um i know i know the air force probably wouldn't agree with this but I, the best analogy i've ever heard about officership is there are three types of officers there's the, the lap dog, the yard dog, and the hunting dog. And I've, um, as soon as he told me that, it, it kind of clicked in my head that my whole career, without me being able to articulate it, 
my whole career I've known that I'm a hunting dog or correction. Sorry. I'm a yard dog. That was not a Freudian slip. I'm a yard (laughs) dog. I was going to say, I'm not a hunting dog. I've known that my whole career. That's what I meant to say that I don't, I admit, I don't, uh, not that coming on your podcast was outside of my comfort zone. Like I mentioned, I, with the, uh, with the O5 board have being held, but not being released. I, uh, I admit I don't want to these past several months to just keep your head down. Don't do anything to uh, jeopardize anything because then you'll never know, but uh, you always wonder. But with that being said, to to tie back to your point, again, at least in my head is that uh, if, if the air force tells me this is where you're going to, or not, if when the air force tells me this is where you're going to go, what you're going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do it as, but to the best of my ability, I'm going to, I'm going to do my job. You know, the mantra I abide by is do, do your job, take care of your airmen and then go home to either your family or your friends. And, uh, I may not be, I'm, I'm never the best at my job. There's always somebody smarter in the room in terms of more technical. I'm never the most technical person in the room. So I, I acknowledge my limitations. Like you said, it try to try to get in the lane that I would like to go in, but acknowledge that the air force usually doesn't let that happen. But it's, you know, the old cliche, I guess I'm just going to spout off all the cliches, right? Bloom where you're planted, <laughs> uh, all you control what you can control, do the, you know, do the best job you can. Uh, it's kind of fun. All, all the tropes actually mean something. We we say it like with a little bit of throw up in our mouth, like uh, bloom where you're planted. But like it makes sense. I mean, like it's 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 a thing. And and if you believe in those kind of things, believe in what uh, your own innate abilities, and you kind of can see how they contribute to the team. That's that's good. Like I like I like people who kind of understand their limitations and don't try and be something. I mean, there's I'm not saying like don't try and grow or evolve or challenge yourself, but like. Sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're a captain, stop trying to do colonel moves. Like, that's just not you. Like, that's, you got to wait. Wait until you get to those times, and then you're going to eventually get them. But you need some of the experiences. You need some of the things to round out your thought processes. The only way you can do that is just, like you said, kind of keep your head down, observe, watch a lot, see how things work, see what things don't work. And then you'll find to be like, that's kind of like my job now, like where I'm trying to carve it out. Like nobody's doing ops assessments. No, we're just kind of putting out fires, putting out fires, putting out fires. Nobody's really paying attention. We're like, are we doing this right? Are we, how is the, are we using our talent management right in the, in the directorate? Um, are we even, um, uh, leveraging technologies the way we should? Are we just kind of magic fairy dusting everything and, and just thinking everything is okay? Like that critical thinking, we don't have someone doing that right now. Or we have very few people, I should say. Not, I'm not the only one not do, uh, doing it. But like, because everybody's so focused on the on our trade. They're just focused on the ones and zeros where we have a bunch of really, I'm assuming, we have very good officers. And a lot of them, they're not able to kind of get more reps with their officership because they're too focused on the specialty. If we had a little bit more balance where we're at anyway on staff, I really think our organization could, could be much more efficient. And we're trying, like we're slowly making momentum. I think we have the right personalities in the right place, but um, that's where it's an inherent kind of thing. I don't know if this is sep- uh, similar in other communities where you're only in your function, like if you're logistics and you work in like DLA or something like that, like is, is there a weird like group thing going on and you only focus on logistics, you forget officership? I don't know. It's, it's a good, I might go reach out to some people to ask if this is a similar kind of situation, kind of ours. But uh, um, you need the leaders in here that kind of recognize differences to, to, to make sure the team is going forward. Also, speaking of cliches, right before I get to your point, I'm opening another one. The other cliche, suck at Trebek is the name of this beer. It's a Scottish ale. Delicious. Keep going. Yeah, a little SNL, less, a little Saturday Night Live humor there. But uh, yeah, no, your comments definitely reminded me. So as again, as as friends and coworkers, and, my, and definitely my wife will attest to. Uh, it took me whatever, what are we, twenty minutes into this, but I finally have an answer to your your earlier your very first question of what's the proper weight uh, between specialty and officership. And so again, I'll say it for the fifth time. I don't know what the right answer is, but I will I will relate how foreign a lot of the current mindset is. And it's just not me being the old man saying kids get off my lawn, but it's uh, I've literally had numerous, numerous guys say, you know, this is what I want to do. If the air force won't send me to these jobs, I'm bouncing. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not judging them. I'm not, I'm honestly not judging them. It's just so foreign to me because I am the stereotype, you know, I'm, I'm close enough to the end of the, to the finish line now to say, to to publicly or to announce to the interwebs you know i'm I'm the stereotype right i have a wife two kids and um i'm gonna go where the military sends me so uh to me uh, it was that that general support mindset and like you said the lowercase g general officer mindset of i'm gonna go where they send me and i'm gonna do my job i 
coming up in base comm squadron and just the mission support group in general, it was mind blowing to me as lieutenant to see there was a, I, I didn't say what base I was at. So I'll say the security forces commander at one point was a squadron commander was relieved uh, for, for whatever reason. I never found out, you know, I didn't ask, but uh, they, they brought in, it was like, I don't know, February, March, the beginning of the year sort of thing, you know, before the summer move cycle. So they, they brought in a, a temporary commander and uh, I mean, he wasn't acting, you know, he, it was assumption of command until another, another security force officer rotated in. And uh, I don't think he was a comm officer, but he was definitely, he was definitely not a cop. And that was just mind blowing to me. That was my education of, you know, yeah, once you become a commander, technically you can be slotted or at least at the time within the mission support group. If you're a mission support group officer, worst case scenario, emergency scenario, you could be slotted elsewhere. And uh, again, that was one of the things that stuck with me. And, and so again, I, I think no matter what I say now, I'm going to, in my head at least, sound like the old man saying, get off my lawn. But it, it's definitely been very interesting <laughs> to hear the guys who have that technical expertise. Uh, I mean, and obviously that's in, in, on the enlisted side too, that they have that technical expertise where they're like, hey, I right, love the right. Air Force. I want to stay doing this, but if AFBC doesn't, uh, you know, personnel center doesn't work with me, I'm going to bounce. And so again, I don't judge them. It's just a totally different mindset. I think it, it, it's all of those things are all case by case. I mean, like sometimes it's a, it's a family situation. Maybe they're trying to, trying to uh, grow some roots somewhere because they need to, some stability and, you know, officers like I haven't had a, I haven't had a less than more than two year assignment in a long time. And so that's a challenge, right? And my kids, they grow up around it. Like, how come they got to stay in Hawaii for like six years or in Alaska for like, like, well, cause your dad's not good at anything. And so we have to move around a lot. I'm sorry. And so, um, I try to find the positive spins on that, but it's definitely a, um, kind of like the same thing with you where I'm, I'm growing into this realization of like, where am I at my career right now? And what am I going to choose to do? choose to do as far as like what I want to represent, if you want to call it like my legacy, whatever it is, and how I'm contributing to the Air Force. And I don't want it to be like this kind of book ending the last chapter with some kind of bitter, like, ah, oh, I just, I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. Like, no, the, the Air Force gives you opportunities based on your skill sets and based on the needs of the Air Force. And then depending on how you respond to them, that's what's going to happen. And so my whole thing is like, I don't know if, uh, um, you know, if, if more leadership things come up, that's cool. But like, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow with just like you. It's like, no, there's, there's some stuff and what things are going to get written, how they're going to go and the stars are aligned and opportunities are going to get made for me. I just want to hope, I, I just hope that the Air Force values that and understands. And as much as I can, I can articulate this, I'm not this, I'm not a cyber officer. I am, but like, that's not my bag. There's other people. If you're looking for the cyber guys, we have a whole bunch of people around us that can do this. But like, do they actually understand like how to in it, like <laughs> how to talk to other people? Do they understand the bigger picture mission as far as if it's a planning process, right? It's a whole thing of do you know how to integrate with other services to make sure the airmen, uh, the air force, and the cyberspace things are actually integrated into a a, a war campaign, or is it a um, you're not doing you know just an insular protecting the squadron just to make sure that only your your superstars go forward and like no you want to get the, them exposed i started i used to call them um i used to call them play dates with for my my mission defense team and so like it'd be like yeah so how many we started uh they started saying you know we're supposed to be protecting weapon systems right so they have 22s and whatever it is and e3s going at a jbear and so all the the comm systems that are that are dependent on that and i'd be like have you guys ever walked into the maintenance squadron? Like, well, no, I, I met them in ALS or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't know any of them. Uh, you, you're probably in the dorm next to a couple of them, right? Or you go to a party or something like, well, it's calm guys. They're not going to a party. So like the, <laughs> so <laughs> I said that to their face too. Yeah. So like, it's a whole thing of, I started kind of setting up play dates. They're, with they're them. hosting like, a virtual party. They, yes, <laughs> land, land party. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I made some, made some connections with the maintenance commanders and I'm like, Hey, so you guys need to go over there because I want you to expand your mind. Like, I want you to understand that like the maintainers and you're talking about like, I used to call them jocks and nerds, like the jocks of the comm squadron, go hang out with the nerds of the maintenance squadron and learn each other's sort of uh, trades and your dependencies on each other. Right. That's the kind of stuff an officer should be doing. Officer creates those connections. The middle manager, like you said, we are, we're responsible for making sure the right teams know each other at the right time. But like, just if you're a maintenance guy and your computer goes down, be like, oh, I know a guy. CGO mafia. Be like, no, I know a guy. I, I know, I know the LT over there that runs the land shop. I can get some stuff. And so unless you have an officer that does that for you, 
you're not going to, that's not going to happen. That's not an innate thing for any, especially for the junior grade officers. I think they just want to, they're, they're, they're expected to be like, no, just be really, really good at your job and run your team. I'm like, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying don't do that, but make sure you're expanding it a little bit because the picture is bigger than just your team there. On the, I, I'll just say it now because I knew I was going to come on your or when I you invited me on your podcast. I knew coming on being the white white male, I had to bring up the wire at some point. So of all the classic scenes from the TV <laughs> yeah. show, the wire, the I mean, there are dozens, so dozens of great ones, but uh, the uh, the one that stuck I've never me seen in it in terms of seeing myself. Oh come on, it's it's the it's the I'm, I'm such it? a stereotype right now. It's the best TV show ever, and uh, it's very. Is it better than The Sopranos? So that's the endless debate that white males have, <laughs> uh, white male TV critics have. I've listened to hundreds of hours of podcasts about this. I just, re- I just um, rewatched all The Sopranos during true. COVID stuff, so uh, I'm good with that. But uh, I've I heard would, The Wire is really good. Personally, I, I would say yes. I understand why other people argue for The Sopranos, but to me, it's, it's The Wire, hands down. It takes place in Baltimore, right? The Wire? Yeah, we're, we're 20 minutes away from, from a, a lot of the key scenes, for all the key we scenes. Just, we, just, we just started Ozark, so I can't start it. Uh, can't keep, we're, go, we're going down... No, it's no, good. Oh, it's so the good. wire is yeah, twenty times better. Anyway, the whole reason I bring it up, I'm being the stereotype <laughs> right now. So, um, at the at the end, uh, at the final season, um, features the newspaper and, and the journal during the journalists, uh, you know, one of the eras of the journalists being laid off, and so the the old timer gets laid off, and for the new young buck, and uh, the new young buck gets the assignment, like, hey, we need this answer, and he doesn't know who to turn to, doesn't know what to do, and so the old literally as the old guy's picking up his box to walk out the door. Uh, the old guy picks up the phone and makes the one last phone call because he knows who to call. And uh, so again, five minute story to make that point. But uh, the other reason I bring it up or, or correction, why it reminded, uh, reminded myself of me was that throughout my career, literally as late as recent as last week, I, I always get called out for like, you know, people everywhere. And I'm just like, yeah, it's not on purpose. Like I don't, I've been, I've been away for the Air Force from the Air Force flagpole for most of my career. So a lot of the uh you know i don't i don't necessarily play the political game as much as i could or should but uh a lot of people necessarily don't know me but um i definitely uh you know no i know quite a number of people across the military and and like you said just being that that connector like uh, malcolm gladwell would say or middle manager or whatever whatever you want to argue um again that's 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 what i was raised on being an officer yeah exactly that's 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 what i always thought that um you're you're a you're a team leader but you you lead a team, so that infers you're not thinking about yourself. You're not trying to. Um, you have to think outside the box and making sure you're you have a, a wide screen kind of perspective to be like, and you're not going to catch it all. No one's perfect, and so that's that's fine. But like at least having building in those kind of things that you and I have, like no, we're just we see things differently, and and um, I think our organization right now is going to slowly see the benefit of making sure we keep some officers on staff that kind of keep, stay like that. I can see it like, you know, the, the idea where you walk into the, you walk into the skiff and everybody's just like head down, like, I don't know, we're going to have some fun times over here trying to add some positivity and some, even if it's at my own expense, I don't care. But because the whole thing of like, it, um, trying to build in a bit like, no, we, we got to stay together as a team. And there's other people clearly we're surrounded by smart people. So I'm not going to try and outsmart you, but there's different things as far as leading a team that are very, very important. I think as an officer within the air force, any service that that has to be something we maintain. And for the right, for the people who, who understand those kind of uh, spots, you might feel like, like an outsider. You kind of be like, cause I feel like that sometimes too, right now at work, I just carry myself differently. Anyway, I can't skateboard down the hallways. That's kind of a shitty thing, but like I, I probably could now, but no one's going to stop me. But like, it's an idea of we're not, there's, imp- there's efficiency things we can work on. We can be, be a better team. We can stay more focused on this as opposed to just putting out fires and worrying about who's, which general officer is going to yell at us about something like that. Like we should be trying to promote our own ideas, our own um, things out there that we want to go do and not just responding to stuff, but we can't unless we get people like you and I that just kind of take a outside perspective be like, you know, it's like this, right? The rest of the world is actually okay. We can, we can move positively in this direction because we have these skill sets that gave us those experiences from our respective paths as commos. And then we offer it to the team. And so like, as much as I love being a cyberspace operations officer, but like, 
I also know that that flag is going to be passed really, really quick for me to somebody else that leads a cyber operations charge. And I want to, I'm going to be, be very, very proud to be a capital A airman because that's what I am. So. And, and on that note, uh, on that, yeah, basically continuing that note of, uh, when, um, just filling out any sort of form that asks for your occupation, and I'll either put uh, either Air Force, you know, U.S. Air Force, or a military officer. Well, either or either U.S. Uh, Air Force or military or military officer, just depending on you know exactly what the form's asking. So uh, I absolutely think that's an, that's another um, yes, that's another indicator that we're officers before uh, technicians. Again, I don't know what the magic magic equation is for the to find out the right solution but um that's good if we're i like uh, the idea yeah if we're uh i mean this is what i I definitely had a uh a couple of assignments ago had a very long or whatever 45 minute discussion with uh ncos and senior ncos in my section in that uh or in the section that we worked in that uh you know, what does the word profession mean? And, and I was really trying to not get into those sort of esoteric conversations when, when you invited me on, because no one wants to listen to that uh, unless you're drinking beer. But, uh, but I think to me, though, that I agree with the sentiment that we were discussing that if you boil it down to, to its core, we are getting, we are all getting a paycheck. Therefore, we are all professionals. So if you, if, if you and I could only answer one thing of, you know, what is your profession? You know, what, what do we say? Like, I, um, if I'm just, you know, if I'm caught off guard, I might just say, oh, I'm in the air force. But if I, if I have two seconds to catch, you know, catch my breath, I would, or think about it, I would probably say, well, I'm a military officer. And so, um, I do find it, I do find it interesting. And like, uh, again, I've joked with you that if you ever need, um, if you ever need some reading rainbow shit on your podcast, I'm always happy to drop in with 30 second book, book recommendations. <laughs> I am that, that nerd who loves to read, but, uh, just the fact that there's a, a book I was recommended, uh, called the challenge of command. Uh, it was a good book, but, and it had a lot of other references in it for recommendations, but the book is as old as I am. So the book, the book's been out for a while. And, oh, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll, uh, I will shamelessly blow smoke up your ass and mention, you know, I will, I'm not going to read every word of your book, but I, I'm definitely eager to, to read it and check out your thoughts. Yeah, um, thanks, dude. but the, and the reason I bring that up was cause I've, I've already mentioned to you about the the, the Air University Press book of uh, mm-hmm, How to Command mm-hmm. a Squadron in the 21st Century that I definitely found very interesting and it was really cool to see. Uh, so you got me excited. Now I'm realizing I'm talking really fast. I'll slow it down a little bit. That uh, <laughs> you're fine. In, dude. <laughs> the, in this book, the, the pilot talks about um, what you talked about earlier about how the fact that he's you know he found himself 10 years into his career and just leading people for the first time and and talking about the mistakes he made and and um, again, not judging because I made a lot of the same mistakes, but I was, while I was reading it, I was thinking, wow, I was making these mistakes as a second first lieutenant, not as a, as a major, um, and, you know, learning how to, well, trying to learn how to, how to work with people. My wife constantly reminds me that I don't know how to, how to interact with normal people, but I at least have a good handle on how to, how to interact with service members. But, uh, um, but yeah, I think it's just, it's that, that constant, evolution um Elevate, constant yeah, elevation I, is what I, you're I, say. I, <laughs> I, I, I always say constant evolution but i i was debating should i should i plug you that much oh I, dude I, that would have been the pun that far <laughs> i'm not gonna suck with you that much but um yeah it's just that that continuous thing <laughs> that continuous thing of uh excuse me continuous evolution and uh just how can we you know so I, the reason i brought up your book was that i'm assuming that you're going to talk about all of your experiences from the at the beginning of your career in terms of leadership and management and not, again, I'm not, I'm not nothing negative about the air crew side of the house. I, I promise I have plenty of friends who are on that side of the house, but um, it's just, it's just different worlds. So just like it's a different world uh, for us and them, it's a different world to bring it back to our career field. It's, it's to some degree, a different world within our own career field between us generalists and then the specialists. It definitely is. So here's a, a quick preview. Good segue, bro. I appreciate the uh, setting me up because it's kind of funny. Actually, my editor just sent me my final manuscript. And so I'm going to finish looking at it um, this weekend. And then I'm going to start doing some, uh, I'm already putting my first or, uh, order in for the first hundred. And so like, I think it'll be selling it from our website, uh, constantelevation.co. So we're going to have some pre-order things. There's already like a little, if you go to my website now, there's a my book link right at the top. You can kind of see one of the the intros that never that never made it. And it's just kind of the, I like sharing the process of how I wrote the book. But to, to your point though, 
my I understand some of the um, the books that were written about Squadron Command. It talks about like where they came from, whatever. My book is a lot more succinct. My book is talking about like, hey, so it's not even approaching it from a from a cyber ops or a air squadron. I'm talking about squadrons in general, and it's, a lot of it is talking about just general leadership principles. That's it, and being a genuine leader and an authentic leader. That's what that's what I'm trying to tell the story. How I want to pay it forward. I don't need every single leader when, when the squadron commander comes in and out and you just replace the picture with another picture on the wall, it better not be the damn same officer. It needs to be something different because all of us are given that opportunity. If you're given the opportunity to command, you need to make sure you don't fuck it up. And so like, but the idea is you get to influence. That's one of the most influential spots you could have in the Air Force. Or I would argue maybe the biggest one other than like you're going to have a specific uh, NCO tiers. But I really focus on the idea of being a good leader, independent of whatever service you're going to have to be. But part of that being a good leader is being a good planner. When I say planner, I mean being an integrator of how things should work in the bigger picture. If that's going to be your wing or your headquarters, whatever it is, you need a good squadron commander knows that. You're going to be a good middle manager because essentially squadron command, you still work for a group or wing commander. So you can think you're king or queen shit, but you're not. You're not. You're, you're just a squadron commander. You still answer to people. And then uh, um, the last one is, what'd you say? Planner, you said planner, middle, middle manager. manager and, and heroic leader. Heroic leader. Nope, you're not heroic. Nope, not even close. In, our, in, our, in, in certain, certain capacities, yes, that, that can definitely apply. And, but in our field, we are not like that. If you're having to be a combat comm guy, maybe you're going to be a little bit closer to the, to the edge. But for the most part, as a basic network operator, we're not like that. And so, I'm not, and the important thing is I don't, Good leaders don't portray themselves to be anything bigger than they are. Dude, if you're good, if you're like right now, if you're a staff weenie like we are, you're a fucking staff weenie. Stop thinking like you're an alpha and you're going to be like all this. I'm, a, I'm, I'm walking in there and do all these things. They're like, no, you're not. You're just a staff weenie. Just stop trying to make it bigger than what you think you are. I can finally land my point from earlier. Thank you for the reminder. Hey, because good. That's, of course, that's, that's a perfect, how we do. We're wrapping it up. This that, is good. That's a perfect segue <laughs> as well. In fact, um, uh, again, I'll push up my nerd glasses and, and mention uh, a little bit of a tiny bit of reading that I've done on uh, former leaders was I, I enjoyed uh, two guys that, that aren't commonly read about is uh, General Spots, the first chief of staff of the Air Force, and also the Marine General Smedley, Smedley Butler. But uh, in, in one, um, one work, and unfortunately, I don't remember the source, but uh, it was also talking about uh, a few quotes from or a few sentiments from Eisenhower. And uh, apparently at some point after uh, probably during his presidency, um, General Eisenhower was asked, you know, hey, General, you were you were a major for like, I think it was 14, 16 years, something like that, you know, whatever it was, you know, you were a major for, for that long, um, you know, did you ever think about getting out or what were your feelings on that? And uh, it definitely stuck with me, very impactful to me because I, I just, my wife had just had her first kid and uh, he, he said, you know, I realized at the time that I, I liked doing my job, I liked the people I was I was around. And I got to go home at the end of the day to see my wife and my daughter. And, uh, you know, it's, why would you, why would you leave that? You know, it was, it was, uh, it was just very, uh, yeah, it was just en enjoyable and, and great. It was hum humbling, if you will, um, to read, to read that. And just kind of that same sentiment or well, a different sentiment, but related in that, um, you know, I've had, I've had a few bosses talk about, propose that the only um, the only thing you can control is how you how well you do your job you know you can't control timing you can't control the other people you're with uh, you know which I definitely agree with but I would say that the one there the one caveat that I've added on um, while thinking about it over the years is that the you can control a second thing and, and that is you yeah, you can control how you treat other people and it's kind of uh, tying into your point you made uh, two minutes ago and also point a point you made in a previous podcast that I was going to bring up in that, uh, the, uh, don't be an asshole. I know you, I'm not stealing that from yeah. you. That came, we've talked about it separately. <laughs> that came from the, no, there's no stealing. It's the, just a thing. Don't the, hashtag DBA. Don't yeah, be an asshole. <laughs> it came from the book, uh, the no asshole rule that I keep bugging you to, to do a blurb about, uh, cause that is, a, that is a good book. <laughs> I have read that book. I'll, I'll it's plug a good it, book. Plug it real quick. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing how, uh, you know, I know, I know for sure over the years I've rubbed a few people the wrong way. Uh, I had one former coworker propose that, uh, or, or posit that the, uh, the reason that they move officers around as much as they do is that it's our job to be jerks when we need to be. And 
if we need to rub people the wrong way, then we need to do, you know, do it, but very, very smartly, obviously, and very tactfully. And you have to know what you're doing. If you just go around and being a jerk, then you're not going to get anything accomplished, obviously. So we have to kind of control, control that edge and uh, be the, uh, feel free to steal this because I stole it from a former boss. Of, we have to be the climate control. Like we have to know when to turn up the heat and when to simmer things down. And uh, if, we can, if we can be that climate control, then, uh, then everyone else can actually uh, get to do their job. That's actually good. That's really good. I think that's a good uh, kind of wrap up on, on this episode, the climate control. Because it's not like, you don't, want, you don't want an officer who wants to be everyone's friend. Get the fuck out of here. Get away from me. I don't want you to be my friend. I want you to lead me. But you also don't want the asshole that is just constantly like wearing down on you. Like, no, don't sir, ma'am, don't be that either. I need that. I need the person. We need the leaders that know those, kind of know those sides of the spectrums and then can recognize it using their superpowers of being an officer of how to apply it, which what is the right timing and tempo? What is the right method of doing it? Depending on situation. I mean, if you're talking to a young airman to a, a young enlisted person, that's a different thing when you're talking to a, a senior NCO or something like that, right? But potentially the same effect should be applied. Just your, your method of application should be different. But like the good leaders, I would argue, kind of understand that piece and you don't have to explain to that. But that's, that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to um, figure out either in my book or this podcast of like sharing those stories would be like, there is no one recipe to, to fix it all. You have, to con- you have to constantly elevate. You have to figure out and keep on taking things in. That was a total pun. Um, keep on taking things, take, keep on taking things in and just, um, evolving your toolkit because that's the kind of people we need. We need, we need leaders, we need officers, we need leaders, um, senior NCOs, all that stuff. Um, leader, leadership does not have any rank. I know there was a recent, uh, uh, Simon Sinek thing going viral, uh, about like leadership doesn't have a rank. I believe that leadership, just an inherent quality. Um, you can develop it, you can grow it. And there's different versions of that leadership that are important too. And so the Air Force needs all those different flavors. Speaking of flavors, um, this beer was delicious. But now, this is a random thing. I can't burp. Not that no one needs to know that, but I can't burp. So I just feel this like sitting right here. I'm going to finish my beer because I'm going to finish it. But like, this is really good. That has nothing to do with like whatever. But this is, I just sharing the information that I can't burp. Well, no, I, hey, and I appreciate it. Thanks, sir, for the, the kind words. I, uh, I'm sure you're going to steal the mic back, um, but you invited me on. So I can't, I can't close on that quite that optimistic of a point and that uh, <laughs> uh, I have to have that grounded realism and that I remember at some point in high school, one of my teachers was talking about um, just so much of the mentality um, or the mass marketing, the mentality, whatever. And now, now I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but no, just so much is it's always onward and upward it has, to, has to be onward and upward in America. And I, I admit I had to laugh and I checked out your site and you had uh, one of your logos involved onward and upward uh, or an arrow pointing onwards and upwards. And, uh, and so again, I'm not trying to be cynical or, or negative. Uh, I'm just that grounded realism of a lot of days. You just got to put your head down. It's the same shit, different day. But at the same time, um, somebody somebody's going to call me out so i'm going to i'm going to address it already i said i had two points about eisenhower and i can't for the life of me i cannot remember what the second point is but <laughs> returning to that first point of uh if you if you enjoy your job and enjoy the people you're around yeah there's some days that are going to really suck but i uh as much as we all hate the military some days it's all i know and uh, i'm very very honored to be able to put on the uniform and now, now you're making me see it's coming full circle because now you're making me spout. I didn't do anything. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, even though it's not always, I don't believe it's always not always onwards and upwards. But uh, it's if you know whatever, whatever philosophical things we should end this conversation on. It is. Uh, it, I, I love the military. It's what I know, and uh, we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll do this all over again. Yes, we will. I, I just think inevitably, and maybe this is a, a, a easy, in my opinion, easy version of it. Like. We have, the Air Force has different, you know, there, there is the, the marketing material that they say, like Exodus and all we do, all the marketing things that we're the badass in America and always the best at everything. That's not, that's not the true case. And, or it, it depends on what you value, right? And so like, for instance, like I'm, my kids are, I have older kids than you, so I have teenagers and stuff like that. So I'm valuing my family time like hella hard right now. I'm trying to navigate like the, the assignment cycle, trying to figure out how we can try and be non-interruptive, even in COVID times, just trying to figure out how do I get my daughter kind of position to go to college in Arizona? What does that mean with the family? Willing to do sacrifice stuff for me, geo-batching, read your hand for deployment, whatever it is, just for, the, for them to kind of figure out that stuff. And so I would be doing a disservice to, to myself and my family if I was like, fuck that. I just want to be a general in the Air Force. Like, 
that's not that's not realistic. Not everybody can be a general. Not everybody can do those things, and and that's okay. That's that's it's weird that we don't necessarily say those things out loud. That it's okay if you if you feel like you find a right position and you're still earning a paycheck, right? And so like if you're still serving the capacity of what a rank you hold, I'm not mad at you. And so like and if you make a deliberate choice to take a need, be like, no, I'm just gonna go this doing this other thing because I have other bigger things in my life that are more valid to me right now. Awesome. I, I, I like the people who at least are genuine with me and honest and they, they share those things because we can make those things work. They're not trying to obfuscate and get out of work or do those things. They're just trying to be honest of like where things have changed in, in their world and that's okay. And as long as the right leaders actually understand that, you can totally make all those things work. I think a lot of people, for the majority, they feel they never want to let the team down, be larger Air Force team down or DOD, whatever you want to call it. But like, they also want to have some sort of balance as far as like, can you meet me somewhere in the middle? And sometimes I'll say throughout your entire career, you can say maybe there is going to be a balance, but sometimes you're going to have the Air Force is going to win. Sometimes your family is going to win. And so you have to be okay with putting your head down when those times are hard and kind of moving forward with those. And then it's still going to evolve, hopefully, and in, in a, um, a happy ending, whatever that means. So. Well, as, as I'm a 21st century digital boy, I, I know everything through, I relate everything through TV and music. So I'll, I'll steal another TV line and say that change is inevitable, progress is not. So again, got to put our head down mm. and we got to figure out how to, uh, you know, how to adapt to change and, and make things better. There you go. That was awesome, dude. See, this is totally a fine podcast episode, man. We could, this, like I told you before, like this, this actually might actually, this might be the longest one. That's well, not, hope, it's not a good or bad thing. I, okay. I, I hope not, but I will say too, I, I, I got to throw this in there. The, um, uh, another book I love, I still haven't finished it because it's a little dense, but it's, but it's written for anyone to read it. It's called The, pra- the Practicing Stoic. And it was interesting to me, very interesting to me to learn that the word stoa uh, is Greek for the porch. So literally stoicism is the philosophy of the porch. And it's literally guys, I won't say like you, guys like me sitting around and bullshitting and uh, having a beer. <laughs> and uh, this is, is what I love to do, sit around, have a beer. and Yeah. Talk. I didn't know. I didn't know that word was rooted in porch or yeah, whatever it is. I mean, I've read a couple. I've read a couple of like the Daily Stoic and some other things like. Um, do I have that book anymore? What's the what's the the the, the standard for stoicism? Um, the meditation. Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Uh, Herodot. Um, shit. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius. Her, uh, it's Marcus Aurelius, uh, right? Meditations. Yeah. Yes. That one. I have that or the cliff notes. It's, it's pretty. Yeah. It's that, pretty that one. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you sit down and try to read it, but the practicing stoic is, is, is much easier to read. So I, I really like that one. We're going to, this might end up being a part two where we're going to talk about stoicism, which I, I would I actually, that'd be a really cool subject to talk about. I love, I, yeah. Cool. All right, Chris. I could keep well, talking. Uh, so you just need to cut me off. I know so. you. I know you can. It's okay. <laughs> hey, dude. Hey, dude. I really appreciate you being the very, very first sponsor here on Constant Elevation. Again, Volkswagen Brewing. Boom. <laughs> Check that. Merch. Um, uh, gonna wish you, you guys a couple more months here in Maryland with, uh, with us. And so I will wish you a fond farewell as you, uh, take your adventures up North and I'm sure you're gonna have a good time up there with your family and supporting the mission up there with the last in command, um, constant elevation podcast episode 34. I think that's going to be the number. I can't remember off the top of the head. doesn't really matter, but for the rest of the audience, uh, Chris, again, thank you for joining me. Cheers. I've finished my, I almost finished my beer. I'm going to finish it, but, uh, um, I'll talk to you fairly soon at work and then cheers for the rest of constant elevation podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, sir. Thanks for tuning in to constant elevation. Be sure to subscribe rate and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. Visit our site at constantelevation.co. find and follow us on Facebook at constantelevation.co, and like, and follow me on Instagram at at gaybrock01. As always, don't wait for the future to find the future.